0: Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I am excited about another episode of our podcast. I want to start this with reminding you of our mission statement as an organization. All In Sports Outreach exists to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote unity and racial reconciliation. In today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about the impact of sports and the power of unity found in sports. I am extremely Honored and humbled to be joined by Sherman Williams today. His resume is full of many accomplishments. We'll talk about some of those in our conversation. You'll hear about his incredible career. He had a very successful career playing at the University of Alabama, followed by being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and winning a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, a national championship while at Alabama, but also experienced some very tough times. We're going to talk about that. You'll hear a lot about going through the storm, being at the ultimate high of winning a Super Bowl to hitting the ultimate low of serving some time in prison. But it was through that time in prison that Sherman found Jesus, renewed his relationship with Jesus, and he's a new man. He is now a very strong believer, very passionate follower of Christ. A very strong man of character. He loves the Lord. I cannot wait for you to hear from Sherman. So, without further delay, let's jump right into the conversation. Well, thanks for joining me today, Sherman.
1: Well, it's a great pleasure to be amongst the people, the followers of Christ, and the people who uh, support our program. And it's always good to communicate and
0: said word. Amen. Well, there may be some listeners that aren't familiar with you and your background because um, we do have a number of listeners from outside the state of Alabama. However, I know our listeners in Alabama will be very familiar with, with you from your time at Alabama. So I thought it would be good if you started with some background information um, leading up to um, your career playing with both University of Alabama and then being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. So if you'd talk a little bit about growing up in Pritchard, Alabama, a little bit about your family and um, what it was like.
1: Well, that's uh, my father is Eugene. My mother is Betty. uh, Three siblings, Wendy, Chinita, and Eugene. And uh, we grew up in a little small city in Mobile, Alabama, called Pritchard, Alabama. And uh, we are... we we are a very tight-knit group, and we um, went to high school, at Blood High School, graduated 1991 with state championship ring, then was uh, uh, allowed to have a, a scholarship at the University of Alabama, where I went on to play for a national title with Alabama against Miami, and then uh, was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the 1995 draft, where I was able to be on a team that was able to win a Super Bowl. So coming up, football being a very important part of my life, you know, falling down through the generations of my uncles and father and brother, older brother, and everyone sports-related in our family. Sisters were athletes as well. So I just chose football, and football kind of chose me, and, and I rode the wave and ended up having a passion and a strong desire for the sport and ended up being able to get some championships.
0: Yes, sir. So what, what led you to choose the University of Alabama?
1: Well, I was committed to the LSU before signing day, but when I visited Alabama, I thought that coming off a state championship, and the chemistry that those guys displayed reminded me of the chemistry that we had when I was back at uh, high, in high school at Bunt. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to go to a school where we had an opportunity to play in a, in, on a national stage and also with a, a chance to win a championship. So I thought at the time that Alabama was going to give me the best opportunity to get that done.
0: Yeah. So, for those not familiar with um, college football in the state of Alabama, there is a lot of pressure that goes with playing at Bama. Talk about that pressure um, that's put on Alabama to win.
1: Well, you know, when you are historically a traditional powerhouse university like the University of Alabama, and have certain expectations, and one of the expectations for Alabama is winning. Hmm. And, you know, with winning comes pressure because people expect things and you have to deliver. And we was, we was a good team. My turn, we only lost four, four games in my four years. Wow. And, um, was able to win approximately 45. So we, uh, we did pretty good during my time even under the pressure situations of playing some great teams, some other teams and universities that were uh, pretty good. But we was able to win majority and have success. So the pressure was there, but it was uh, enough to make us want to do what we need to do to win.
0: Yeah. You know, we can't talk about Alabama football without um, mentioning the Iron Bowl, the annual um, Alabama-Auburn game. Do you have a favorite or greatest memory of the Iron Bowl in your four years?
1: Well, in my uh, four years, we were three and one. I only failed to to, uh, have a victory once, and that was in my junior year where I didn't get a chance to play in that game due to an injury that I suffered two weeks before prior Mm -hmm. in the LSU game. So, um my most fondest memory was our championship season of ninety two where I was able to score a touchdown, steal a victory and do my uh game celebration my touchdown celebration, the Sherman Shake.
0: <laughs> so that was
1: one of the things one of the highlights of my iron bowl was I was able to get in the end zone and do the Sherman Shake and everybody went wild in the crowd.
0: Yes, sir. And I mean you played with um I mean, a long list of incredible athletes during your time in Alabama. Is there, um, is there one that, that stands out? I mean, I know you work closely with one now in, uh, in Palmer, but is there a, any athlete, teammate there that just really stands out to you? Um,
1: In uh, Alabama or Dallas? Alabama. Well, Alabama, we had a great group of guys that, you know, went and played in the NFL, but all of my classmates of 1991 that came in that year, we were very instrumental mm-hmm. in us having a championship season. Before That's I was, before our class, it wasn't a thing that the university did when it came to playing freshmen. But I think in our in our class, we had 17 true freshmen that played. Wow! So we was um we were one of those groups that came in. So my entire freshman year at Alabama was. was a great group of young athletes coming from high school that participated on the major D1 level. So all of us are still pretty much in contact right now.
0: That's awesome. And you mentioned already um, after Alabama being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, um, going on to win a Super Bowl, what was it like going from one of the most prestigious college programs to – what many call America's team and the Dallas Cowboys?
1: Well, America's team, Dallas Cowboys, you know, Thanksgiving football, Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins, Detroit Lions. You know, the history is there, and five Super Bowls, only second to only Pittsburgh still is tied with the San Francisco 49ers. So to have that that, uh, star on your helmet is something that I always wanted to do as a kid. Something I talk about it in my book, and Cowboy," about some of the stories that I told in the book about wanting to be a Dallas Cowboy since the age of ten years old, hmm. and it was a dream come true for me to go and play on America's team and also to win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, also some phenomenal um, teammates. Uh, one, you know, playing in the same backfield as Emmitt Smith. What was that like?
1: Playing with Indy Smith, the all-time leading rusher in NFL history, and just, you know, being his sidekick and his backup for uh, five seasons, I mean, it was a great experience, you know, to learn from the best, you know, the number one guy. Absolutely. To to come in and fill that gap and have everyone to feel like, you know, when you come in, there's not going to be a drop-off of talent so it was a great, it was a great feeling and a great experience to be able to
0: come in and be in and fill that role. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you, you talked about winning a, a championship at the NFL level. I mean, a lot of listeners may not be familiar with um, the process of the Super Bowl. A lot goes into um, the week leading up to it. Um, talk a little bit about that Super Bowl year and then the, that all the pressures that go along with that week. Of the of the Super Bowl.
1: Well, you know, Super Bowl is as high as you can go in our profession. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, everyone wants to go to the Super Bowl. You start out way in May, April, and try to figure out how you're gonna get there, and then you get there, and then uh, you you understand what it's about. Mm. You know, you understand what it's all about and how everything works out you know, and, and, and make things happen. So it was a great feeling to be able to have a dream, have a mission, and then accomplish it, mm-hmm. you know, because each player that goes into the off season, they're getting prepared to try to get that Super Bowl after the end of the postseason, mm-hmm. of the following season. So, you know, to set out and have that, that drive, that grind, that blood, that sweat, those tears, to put in the work, the effort to be able to win is just a uh, uh, you know a great accomplishment.
0: Yeah, and you know, and you talked about you know that it really starts and in, in the spring. It's not something you just show up at training camp and do. I mean, it's something basically it's it's a year round. So there's a lot of pressures that goes along with playing in the NFL, and um, I don't think we can talk about. Your time in the NFL without talking about, you know, a very kind of a a tough time that led to um, incarceration. So can you walk us through that point in your life, uh, NFL to incarceration?
1: Well, I got to tell everybody, tell anybody, you know, habits are formed. There are no such thing as an overnight celebrity,
0: Mm. you know, uh,
1: You win games, you win in life, and you have accomplishments that you work long days, long hours for, but at the same time, good habits are no different from bad habits. If you build up a a list of bad habits, then you're going to get the results of those bad habits, which will be things like failure,
0: Mm. uh,
1: not winning, or incarceration are uh, things that will, you know, not be constructive, but be destructive. Mm. And that's just one of those processes like anything else. I try to explain to the young people in our youth development program that if you develop those habits, then those habits are going to play out to the point to where you're going to feel that, that pressure. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel everything that comes with that. So, um, when when I was making those poor decisions and building up those bad habits, it was just a matter of time,
0: mm.
1: you know. And I didn't just wake up one day and say, "Hey, I'm gonna be in the NFL." It took work, took mm-hmm. time. And it's just the same thing as I didn't wake up one day and just say, "Hey, I'm gonna be in prison today."
0: Mm. It was
1: a it was a string of of years of bad decisions, you know, poor choices, making the wrong commitments, making the wrong friends doing things that were not going to pertain to healthy living. And mm. the end result of it was incarceration, it's mm. just like anything else. So that's why I tell people, you know, you don't just end up one day and just be in this being a bad situation. Mm. You have to make a string of bad decisions that will lead to that. And your result of your choices is going to be to either suffer consequences or reap the rewards. Mm-hmm. And that's just the life. That's the tale
0: to take. Man, that's a good reminder for everybody that you know. To your point, I eh, mean, we don't just wake up one day and everything is just horrible. It is. It's these little everyday decisions that lead us to either good or bad. That's that's a great reminder. Great. Um, right. But the story doesn't end there. Thankfully, right. um, talk right. talk about your. Um, passion for Jesus that you discovered or found uh, while incarcerated?
1: Well, I was raised in a house, a spiritual house, with a mm. grand-grandmother, a grandmother, church attendees who motivated us as young people, as children, to go to church and fellowship and worship and pray and believe in the higher power and to be Christians and follow the words of Jesus Christ. So that was a, a background in me that mm-hmm. was already rooted and planted. I just made the decision that was in rebellion mm. to to what was already in my in my background. Mm-hmm. So when I got a in a situation where I was going through the storm and I had a chance to reflect on my life, on my flesh, on my spirit, and I was able to gain a greater understanding of what my parents had been trying to tell me Mm. for so long, I was able to get on the right track and started to live inside of that spirit. And the spirit of Christ is so very powerful that it was able to change me to a person that is now doing the work of God, you know, going out helping young people with our organization the palmer williams group me and david palmer started five years ago and we're going to get young people and introduce them to the spirit of god and introduce Mm. them to christ and also into youth development life skills all these things that god placed on my heart while i was incarcerated you know and that's a great thing because jesus christ died on that cross he sacrificed his life God sent this his only begotten Son to die for our sins. So we're in a redemptive stage. Every day as we wait, as we live, we have a purpose. We have a purpose to be uh, followers and doers of the word, to bring other people to win souls and to live a life that will be well pleasing to God. And that's just what I have learned in my in my uh, maturity as a Christian. Uh, you know, going through things, and having a life changing experience. You're talking about going from a Super Bowl to being in prison.
0: Mm. So you're
1: talking about a great, great fall from an extreme high to an extreme low.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: those types of things are what what has has shaped my life at this point. Mm. You well, know, going through that storm.
0: that's incredible um testimony to the power of redemption, power of second chances that you know, even when you do hit hit rock bottom, if you set your eyes on, on Jesus that, you know, there's still greater days ahead. That's good. Amen. So you mentioned um the Palmer Williams group that y'all started five years ago and um a youth development program do you mind, you know, would you share with the listeners a little bit more about the organization, what y'all do um, throughout the year? I know there are some camps, but also the youth development program. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, we're a youth development program that we started five years ago. We started five years ago. We help young people get involved in youth sports, but not only youth sports, the youth development programs. We teach them about a financial literacy component Mm. to uh, help them to be able to be successful even in their adult life where they're able to understand the market with credit, with finances. You know, when you have finances in order and you have uh, the ability to afford to live comfortable, then it's much more likely to make better decisions. Mm. You know, when you have backers against the wall and you're in a position where you're uh, in a survival mode, then sometimes your decision-making process is not going to be as sharp or would be as constructive or beneficial as it would be if you had the finances and your bills were being paid and things were working in your favor you was investing properly, money was working for you, and those types of things. So a lot of the young people that we come in contact with in our program come from homes, broken homes, orphanage, homelessness, all these types of situations where, you know, their future is not bright Mm. and they don't really understand what their future can hold. But we try to give them the information to where they can use the information that we give them that will lead them into a brighter future. So that's what we do. And our mission is helping today's youth feel better tomorrow. Mm. And people can always visit our website. We have a website with all our seminars and photos of camps and clinics and young people having a good time, uh, a a safe environment we provide for them. And we just try to give them the motivation and encouragement. And we take the holistic approach where we want to get them spiritually connected, we want to get them mentally focused, and we want to get them physically sick. So that is what the Palmer Williams group is about. It's about helping young people get to the next level, overcome obstacles, avoid life's pitfalls, and do things that are going to be toward the purpose of their life.
0: Man, I like that. That's, that's awesome. There's not many organizations that I'm aware of that focus on that holistic approach. Some are all spiritual, which is good, or all physical, but, you know, that that mental piece, too, and the financial piece, that's, I mean, I'm sitting there looking back at my life, and I didn't have a horrible life growing up, but, you know, I could have definitely used, especially that financial piece or more of a holistic view of life and could have avoided a lot of mistakes that I've made. That's good.
1: Right. Yeah, and we we work with socially disadvantaged youth, Right. And what I try to explain to people is that when we say socially disadvantaged, we're not talking just at risk.
0: Mm.
1: Kids who are on on the verge of maybe being in criminal activity or mischievous behavior. We say socially disadvantaged to the point to where you just may be an introvert. You may not have that peer group. You may just need a little more focus. You you could come from a uh, very affluent family with the uh, riches and resources, but you just don't have the direction hmm. to go towards what your purpose is. So we're not just dealing with young people that are at risk, or you know, in the behavioral category. We're dealing with young people that have two-parent homes, that have a working mother, working father, that has resources, but they just need to have a platform to express themselves and also to be motivated and encouraged to go in the right direction.
0: Man, that's good. That's that's definitely a, a huge need today. Um, I like the way I've – I i do not know if I've ever heard anybody explain – Explain it that way. The socially disadvantaged is not just at risk. It's the even for folks that are are in a affluent situation, but may be introverted, lack a direction. I like that. That's that's powerful. Right. So I want to talk a little right. bit about um, now the role sports plays in bringing people together. Um, I mentioned yeah. in our intro that our mission statement of our organization is all in sports outreach exists to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote unity and racial reconciliation. So there's no secret, it's um, no breaking news that, you know, we live in a very divided culture. Um, so how do you see the role of sports, um, m- maybe from a personal experience in athletics where you saw it bring people together, or even today through Um, the work that you and uh, David do, um, seeing that sports is a a way to bring people together.
1: I'll tell you like this, basically sports basically saved my life. Mm. I was into gang activity and, you know, running with the wrong crowd, got expelled from junior high school, were making poor decisions, and could have easily been in a situation where my life was at danger and, you know, could have been dead, carried, you know, mm. carried by a sick. So I really think sports in general, not just football. Right. But I played basketball as well, and I also played baseball and ran track. So sports, in those times where I was heavily into sports, then I didn't have a lot of downtime to um, get into other behavior problems, hmm. you know. And it kept me occupied, and it was also a refuge
0: to hmm.
1: where you know when I needed to get away from some of the things that were going on in the neighborhood and the community. I could stay at practice, or go to practice, or go work on a skill, or get something to take my mind away from the everyday pressures of being in society you know peer pressure and Mm -hmm. all these different types of things that came with a young life and an adolescent adolescent life so sports helps and it's a good thing when it's displayed correctly you know and i also use sports program we have four sports programs that we teach sportsmanship Mm. Sports is good when you use correct sportsmanship, you know, Amen. and you're showing the respect for the sport. And that's what we teach the, the young people, the children in our program. Sportsmanship is very important.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, going out there and just playing a sport and having talent is not as important as having a good sportsmanship. Because if you don't show good sportsmanship, then you could be ejected and mm. it could be taken away from you.
0: That's and right. that's
1: the type of thing where we want to use sports for. But also, sports also has a transferable skill that transfers into the job market, into society. When you a young person and not really having a chain of command or the order or the communication skill, sports gives you those skills. Mm-hmm. You have to communicate with your teammates. You have to listen to the coach. You have to be uh, in a in a position to take direction, to follow the leader, all these types of skills that are transferred into the job market. When you go on your job, you're going to have to get along with people. You're going to have to take direction. You're going to have to communicate well, you know, to have success in the job field. So that's what sports brings that camaraderie, that friendship, those relationships. Sports is just a good thing all around.
0: Amen. That's good. I like that uh, focus on sportsmanship because I, I know um, that's definitely something that you see is, is lacking more and more. That's good. I love the fact that that's something you all teach because, like you said, that can be used on and off the field. Right. So a couple more questions. I know we have a lot of listeners that are student athletes or, or coaches, so I'm going to ask you to offer offer a piece of advice to them. Because um, sports is a platform, it's becoming more difficult for them to to live boldly um, for Christ. So what advice or encouragement would you offer a student athlete or coach that, um, you know, is just seeking to better utilize their platform for Christ?
1: Well, what I would do is I would just encourage them to get into uh, small groups. Mm. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Amen. You know, you go one person at a time, get into small groups, people moving in the same direction, that's going to give you some influence, that's going to give you all the opportunities to do a better job, and then have Christ as the centerpiece, mm-hmm. you know, Christ as the chief cornerstone of, of your life, and that's going to make you a much better person just having that, mm-hmm.
0: you know.
1: You're going to make some mistakes. Nobody's going to be perfect. I tell them all the time. But the thing about it, the thing about it is, you have to learn from your mistakes. Mm. You know, don't continue to make the same mistakes over and over again because only one walked this earth that was perfect, and that's Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So, as a human born into what we are, you have to always realize that you're going to be able to make mistakes, but you want to learn from your mistakes. You're not going to win every time you got to learn from your losses. Mm. You lose, you need to be able to correct your losses. And then that's when your loss turns into a win, just like my incarceration. It was a great loss for me. It was a great failure, but the works that I'm doing now are what's getting me back on the winning track. And, you know, you prefer
0: to win than over losing. lose it. Amen. That's good. That's a good word. Not just for student athletes or coaches, for anybody. That's very Amen. good. Amen. One last question. Um, the name of our organization, All In Sports Outreach, the first two words, all in. It's a big term used in all levels of sports, kind of that rally cry teams use. And we talk a lot about being all in. But um, I want to ask you to to share just from your personal life about being all in your walk with Christ? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis?
1: On a day-to-day basis, first thing you have to understand is power in prayer. Power in prayer. You have to have a line of communication with the higher power, with our Lord, with our Savior. Amen. You have to have that line of communication. and your line of communication, your cell phone to, to heaven is prayer. Mm. When you go into a meditation and you talking to uh, God, asking Him for things and worshiping and letting Him know your thoughts and feelings, which you already know, but the prayer is a very, very instrumental tool in developing a relationship that you need. With being all in,
0: mm-hmm. in Christ
1: and uh, that's just what I always tell them you know first step I when I was young and growing up and coming out of high school I had a problem an issue with prayer I wasn't I could pray now in my maturity but I couldn't just feel comfortable just praying in a large crowd praying in front of people uh but it's something that I had to work on, hmm. something that I had to develop, develop that 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 line of communication with our Father, our Lord and Savior. I had to develop that. And that's what I try to tell kids, that you have to develop it. It's not going to be something that you're going to feel comfortable with or just wake up one day and just know and have that feeling you have to develop a relationship, a personal relationship with Christ. And that is going to get you to where you need to be focused and being all in.
0: Well, that's very good. I, I do. I mean, that's a that's just an encouragement to me personally because I know that um, prayer is always the biggest struggle. I mean, I know, it, I know it's critical, um, but I know the times when I'm not, Really living out every day, starting that day and with that conversation with God, that that time with Him in prayer, um, I can tell the difference in my life, man. So that, that's a good that's a good reminder for everybody that um, I think yep. I think a lot of people um, struggle with prayer for one right. reason or another. So that's that's good. Yep. That's a, that's a that's a great reminder. Uh, Well, I do appreciate your time. I know you're busy. You have a lot going on. So thanks for taking, you know, a few minutes today and just to talk a little bit about your story and and to encourage us, um, all of us, to to continue every day walking closely with Christ, that no matter whether we're up or down, um, you know, continue to, to seek him, even when we're going through a storm. So I appreciate it. Amen. Thank you again to Sherman for taking time of your busy schedule to join us. We've covered a lot today. Just enjoy talking Alabama football, Dallas Cowboys football, but most of all, Sherman's passion for Christ and pouring in to young people and hearing about the um, Palmer Williams group and how they work with young people who are socially dis- disadvantaged and making sure that they're strong spiritually they're mentally focused they're physically fit in helping today's youth for a better tomorrow um, and talking about the power of unity found in sports and Sherman just admittedly saying that sports saved his life um, but the biggest takeaway for me was the last question about what does it mean to be all in with Christ, and just a reminder the power of prayer. I hope you're encouraged by this episode. I just I ask you to to li- once you get done listening with this episode, share it with family and friends. Share it with through your social media sites. Let's blast this episode all across and um, just. So people may be encouraged to continue, no matter if they're at the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, that Jesus is with them and to continue to follow him passionately. Um, And Sherman did mention his book. Um, I would encourage you to go to his website, crimsoncowboy.com. Again, that's www.crimsoncowboy.com and order a copy. And it should be mentioned that by ordering a copy of the book through their website, All the proceeds end up benefiting the Palmer Williams Group versus ordering on Amazon. So please order a copy of his book, crimsoncowboy.com. And as always, we love to hear from you. We love to hear feedback. So go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Send us some feedback, um, but also you can... Find out any and everything about our organization, opportunities to to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. And the last thing, as always, if you've been encouraged by this episode, I ask you to go to iTunes, leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform of spreading the gospel through media. We truly appreciate your prayers and encouragement. Thank you.